You know, I came across a couple Christmas letters that some kids wrote to Santa, and I just thought I'd share them with you because there's nothing like the innocence of a child, you know, when they send a letter to Santa. This one says, Dear Santa, I would like just one of everything. Thank you. That was from Nancy. Then another one says, Dear Santa, what should I leave for your reindeer to eat? Do they like cookies too? My mom won't let me bring hay into the living room. So your friend, Sandy, let me know, Santa. You know, and then there's the other one goes, Dear Santa, could you come early this year? I've been really super good, but I don't know if I could last much longer. So please hurry. Love, Jordan. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, you just got to love, love the Christmas season. Well, you know, today, tonight, I just want to talk to you about the name of my message is when you follow a star and you find a stable. Now, you know a little bit about stables, and you know what stables are like. You walk into a stable where it's got horses in it or, or whatever, cows or whatever. You know, there's a, there's a smell to it, right? And, you know, it's not real. It's usually drafty and cold and all that. So the question is, is what I have for all of us tonight is, what happens when you've been following a star? You've been following a direction in your life, hoping it would take you to a specific place but all of a sudden, it leads you to a stable. I mean, what happens when all of a sudden, after thinking that something grand and wonderful would be at the other end, you end up in the backyard of a barn, right? Have you been there in life? You know, as you went through 2021, thinking, you know, well, this is going to be way better than 2020, but it's nowhere near what you were hoping for. For many, it's, well, it's like the backyard of a barn. You know, it kind of stinks. It really didn't get a whole lot better. And there, you know, I, and, you know today, you know, I, I'm thinking about the wise men. You know, there's so many characters that go through the Christmas story. And I thought, I, well, just chat a little bit about them. Because, you know, they were heading in. They were expecting, you know, instead of finding a palace and a king on a throne, well, they stumbled across and find a baby held by its mother. You know, as you go through life and as we finishing up this 2021 anticipation of 2022, you know, you sit there and go, man, how, how do you react when you follow a star and you find a stable? I mean, how is your behavior affected by the outcome of your expectations? Well, here, let's just read the Christmas story here. And I'm going to read out of Matthew 2, 1 through 12. He says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east, and we come to worship him. Well, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and actually all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Well, they said to him, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by a prophet. It says, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judea, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, I want you to go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Well, after hearing the king, they went their way. 
And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came to a place that stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. You know, when I read that story, and I don't know if you ever thought of this, but can you imagine? I, I, can you imagine the disappointment the Magi must have felt when they finally ended up in Bethlehem? I'm sure they're expecting a mansion or a royal court. They've been following the star. They even stopped at King Herod's palace to find out about the star and the child who was to be born. You know, every one of us has had times in our life when we followed a star. Everything looked so promising. But we're to find out at the end that we were unstable. Just go back to your high school graduation pictures, right? Look at some of the kids whom you graduated with. You know, some of them started off, right, with such promise. You looked at the things he wrote in your yearbook. Remember all the stuff he used to write? And you think back, and you were sure they would someday they're going to be a star. <laughs> but now as you look at them, you can see that uh, life's been a disappointment. Or, you know, you see college kids graduate. They got their diploma tucked under their arm, ready to go out and win the world but they find out that the job they wanted is not necessarily the one that they got. I've been to weddings of friends so promising is their future. Everybody thought their marriage had tremendous possibilities, only to find out a few, few years later it's lying in ruin in a divorce court. Maybe it's your job. You know, where you've been expecting a promotion. Has ever happened to you? You know, finally the boss calls you in the office and as you sit there expectantly, you find out that you've been passed over. Somebody else got the position. You know, you walk out of the office kind of in a daze realizing that even though you've been following this star, boy, this ended up unstable. You know, how about a couple, you know, you're going to start a mom and pop business, you know, all their life together, they were regularly setting aside a little bit of money for it. And finally, the day comes when they can go down to the bank, leverage a loan, man, off they go. You know, it's like they have such excitement as they open the doors of their new business, only to find out they're a lot more excited than the potential customers. They've been following the star. But one day they wake up and they find themselves in a stable. This didn't work out at all, like we thought. Can I tell you, I've seen many people come to retirement age, and they can hardly wait to get away from the grind of work. All their life they've worked so hard, and they finally get their gold watch, so to say. But you know what they find out a couple of months later? That retirement isn't really what they thought it was going to be. They get restless, unsettled. I ask themselves, like, what happened? Well, they thought they were following the star, but when they got to their destination, it was a stable. You all know the cartoon character Peanuts, you know, and Lucy sometimes feels like being his, his psychiatrist, right? You know, and she puts up that sign that says, hey, can, she can help you for five cents. <laughs> well, you know how it usually works. Her first customer is Charlie Brown. But this time, she's so frustrated with him, she says, Charlie Brown, Sometimes I feel we're not communicating. 
You, Charlie Brown, are a foul, a foul ball in the line drive of life. You're often in the shadow of your goalpost. You're a miscue. You're a three putts on the 18th green. You're a 7-10 split in the 10th frame. You're a dropped rod and reel in the lake of life. You are a missed free throw. You're a called third strike. You're like a bug on the windshield of life. Do you understand, Charlie Brown? Do I make myself clear? You know, the beautiful part of the Christmas story of the wise men is what they do when they arrive at the home of Joseph and Mary. Some theorize two years after Jesus' birth. So they've been there, Jesus is about two years old. You know, through their actions, they teach us three things that I want us all to catch. I believe that all wise people throughout the ages have done when they come upon a stable to a place or situation that isn't exactly what they were expecting. And I think this is so important, especially what we've all been going through now for the last couple years. I want you to hang on to this and take the lessons that we've learned from, from just the wise men, from the Christmas story. You see, the first thing, when wise men find a stable, you know what they do? They look for God. Did you know that wise people of every age, when handed a difficult situation, they don't panic about the problem, but hold steady. And they say, you know what? God's, God is somewhere in this stable of life. There's got to be something I can learn. I'm going to hold steady because I know God is, God's in this thing somewhere. I mean, look at the story of Joseph. And I'm not talking Mary's Joseph. <laughs> Remember all the things that he went through? He was sold into slavery, lied, lied to by his brothers. He was lied about again while, while in slavery, working for the Potiphar's house. He went, he went through one setback after another after another. But finally, remember the story? God raised him up to be second in command of Egypt. And under his leadership, not only did he save his own family, but tens of thousands of Egyptians and beyond. So when his brothers came back, what did Joseph say to him? It's one of my favorite scripture verses, Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Joseph had the ability to see God in the stables of life. I mean, look at Job, who found himself sitting on an ash heap. He was a good man who never did anything wrong, yet there he was going through persecution, loss of family, loss of fortune, friends standing around telling him, curse God and just die. But Job didn't listen to their advice. To their advice. Instead, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was able to see God in the stables of life. Uh, look at the Apostle Paul. Even while he was in prison, he was writing to the church at Philippi, offering this uplifting message and telling them, cheer up. When he came to the stables in his life, Paul was able to see God in them. You know the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian is? Well, it's right here, and I don't want you to miss this. Immature Christians see God only in the good. Mature Christians see God in both the good and the bad. Yeah, I think that's worth repeating. Immature Christians just see God only when things are good. But a mature Christian sees God, he's in both. He's both, he's both the good and the bad. 
When good things come along, the immature Christian says, well, it must be from God, since everything is good is happening. I know he must be in it. Not necessarily. Mature Christians, though, see God in both the good and the bad. The mature Christ follower sees God not only in the pleasures in the palaces, but also in the stables of life. Here's the point. You may be walking into a stable right now in your life. You've been following a star. It looked really good. And then all of a sudden you say, is this it? Ever done that? Remember, wise people have the ability to see God in those stables of their lives. And here's the second point that I want you to understand and get here tonight. When wise people find themselves in a stable, they offer their very best to God. You see, it's not natural for us when we're in stables of life that we didn't expect to offer gold and frankincense and myrrh. Right? Isn't your temptation to kind of hold back? Because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. In fact, when we find ourselves in a stable instead of a palace, we often are tempted to refuse to give anything, much less our very best. You know, the marriage isn't what it should be. And then all of a sudden we say, well, maybe I want to hold back on that marriage. We begin to hold back our feelings. We start to withdraw. Well, of course, it only makes things worse. Have you noticed that when you come to the stables of life, to a time we need to give our very best, that's, did you ever notice that's when we're tempted not to offer the best that we have? Have you noticed all that? You know, I think all of us need to go through what I call, you ready? The mirror test. Yeah, mirror. You know, every day when I get up, I look in the mirror, and I, 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 I got to remember to ask myself, am I giving my very best in the situation that I'm finding myself in today? Because you see, that situation that day may be one of many problems. Or it may be one of great prosperity. You see, when the wise men came to that humble home in Bethlehem, did you notice they didn't withhold anything? They didn't look at one another, right? Which they probably like, look at one another and go, you know, if we didn't leave anything here, we'd have this gold and frankincense for Herod. Maybe we should give it to him and to his family. I mean, look at this is just a kid living on the backside of the Roman Empire. Certainly we don't need to give him all this expensive stuff. Don't miss this. The difference between the average and above average person lies in just three words. Are you ready? And then some. Great men and women of God and great men and women of society give their very best and, that's right, then some. They forgive people and then some. They're always walking the extra mile. They're always taking the extra step. Yeah, I mean, it's an effort. You know, Winston Churchill said, the world is being run by tired men. You see, those who make a difference are those who take the extra step. They go the second mile. They give their very best to a situation, even, even when it doesn't look very promising. It reminds me, I, when I was 12 years old, I went to Washington, D.C. with my class. And we got to the Washington Monument, and there was a two-hour wait to get on the elevator to go to the top, right? Well, in my impatience, I walked up to the guy by the elevator, and I asked him, is there any other way we can make it up faster? And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, you can go up right now, if you're willing to take the stairs. There's 897 steps and 50 landings. I went back in line. Okay. Powerful, isn't it, though? You can go up now. If you're willing to take the stairs, 
You see, the average person in life wants to ride elevators. <laughs> average people don't want to get by doing the least, not the best. They want to get by by doing the least, not the best. And the third point I want you to get this evening, when wise people find themselves in a stable, they change their direction. Have you ever had a stable experience that changed your life? Have you ever sensed that God wanted you to change directions? You know, Henry David Thoreau decided to get into Walden's Pond one day and sink down until the water was at eye level so he could see the world through the eyes of a frog. You know, I always thought, how stupid is that? <laughs> and who really cares? But then I began to think about Christmas. And I began to think about God. Do you realize, in a sense, that's kind of what God did? The God of the universe allowed himself to be born of the Virgin Mary, looked through human eyes, and grew up like you and me. It's the story of a baby born in Bethlehem who was more powerful than the Roman Empire, a baby who was God incarnate, the Savior of a world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge it, but that the world might be saved through him. Our Father in heaven gave us all the most precious gift. What Paul says in Ephesians here, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Then Paul said in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Did you know human beings are the only ones who have the desire to give and receive gifts? You know why that is? It's because we're made in the image of God. We have a God who's into, that's right, giving. Animals don't have this desire. I've never seen a dog or cat wrap a gift and give it to someone. You know, it just doesn't work that way. The only gift I've ever seen an animal give is like my dog. It's the kind you pick up with a shovel in your backyard. Listen, the essence of knowing Christ is giving. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. He didn't come saying, I want. He said, I want to give. The Bible tells us over and over that Jesus has given us the ultimate gift. Can you imagine ever being a can you imagine ever being given a gift at Christmas and never unwrapping it? It'd be silly, right? Well, you ready for this? I read about a guy who got a Christmas gift over 50 years ago. He still hasn't opened it. I mean, if you gave me a gift for Christmas and I took it home and a year later you came over to my house and you saw it sitting in the corner of the room, I still hadn't unwrapped it. You say, "Boy, that Paul is a little nutty. Why, Paul, why don't you unwrap it?" But can I tell you, yet many go Christmas after Christmas. They know the songs. They know the stories. They know what it's all about. But you know what? They never unwrap the gift. They have this tremendous, they have this tremendous gift. There are many Christians, many Christ followers, who have, they just kind of partially unwrapped it. You know what I'm saying? They, they open the box, they open the gift, they kind of look inside, they look at it, go, oh, it looks good. 
you know, they accept it, but they're not going to fully open it, okay? You, they never really fully, the, fully enjoy the contents of it. Well, this gift that Christ has given us, this ultimate gift, you'll never get, you'll never get it anywhere else. You can't find it under the Christmas tree. And it's not on 34th Street. It's in Jesus Christ. He says, I offer to you forgiveness for your past, peace of mind in the present, and a future in eternity. Everyone who's tuning in today to this message, you're all tuning in for all kinds of different reasons, sitting there with family or whatever. You're listening to this, but you know why you're really listening to this? Because God brought you here so he could get your attention to say this to you. You ready? God wants you to know you matter to me. That's what God's saying. You matter to me. I know everything about you. I saw your birth. I know when you're going to die. I know everything in between. I made you for a purpose, and I have got a plan for your life. I love you, and I want you to know me so badly, I sent my son to earth 2,000 years ago just to show you what I'm like. And listen, friends, when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about religion. Religion's just man's attempt to get to God. I'm talking about a relationship. Relationship is when you get to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. I want you to understand this. I don't care what your background is. You may have a Catholic background. You may be a Hindu or Buddhist. You may have a Jewish background. You may be a Protestant. Maybe you have no background or religion at all. But you see, that doesn't matter to me. <laughs> what matters is, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Those gifts, forgiveness, peace of mind, eternal life, they're wrapped up in Him. When God says, I want to offer you forgiveness, and peace of mind and eternal life, and you haven't unwrapped it? Be serious. Can't you you got to go, what? You haven't unwrapped it? You're never going to be offered a greater deal than that, ever. Need to understand, Jesus is the gift that turns uncertainty to certainty, unfulfillment to fulfillment, and death to life. So in close, if Christmas is about anything, it's about a baby, a savior, born in a stable, who changed the world forever. When we come to the stables in our lives, let us be wise and remember to look to God. Let us bring him the best we have to offer and let us allow him to change the direction of our lives, enabling us to become the great men and women of God that he's created us all to be. So Merry Christmas on behalf of Church at the Red Door and everyone here to you and your family. Enjoy your celebration this evening and tomorrow and all the good food and everything that God has blessed you with. So Merry Christmas, everyone.